Are you tired of your valuable ideas and suggestions getting lost in the shuffle? Well, that is why I'm introducing Direct Suggest, the revolutionary digital suggestion box that puts your voice front and center. With Direct Suggest, you have the power to make a difference in your organization. Direct Suggest provides value to organizations in various industries worldwide, including notable brands like Comcast, TD Bank, and Nokia. And here's the best part. Direct Suggest only costs 50 cents per employee per month, making it an affordable solution for businesses of all sizes. Plus, they have an incredibly high ROI and savings potential with an average 33 times return on investment. The implementation process is also a breeze. Once committed, setting up Direct Suggest from start to finish can be completed in as quickly as a week or less. Don't let your ideas or your team's ideas go unnoticed. Visit directsuggest.com today and start by making a difference with Direct Suggest. Use the promo code HUMANHR for your extended 60-day free trial. Again, visit directsuggest.com to learn more and remember to use promo code HUMANHR for an extended free trial. Direct Suggest, where your voice matters. Welcome to the Bringing the Human Back to Human Resources podcast. I'm Tracy Chernoff, and I've spent my entire professional career in HR. Each week, we'll explore the delicate balance between people and business with the aim to reconnect the two and create meaningful outcomes. Listen in as I share my own experiences, challenge the status quo, and chat with guests from various industries about our mission to bring the human back to human resources. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks so much for being here for another week. You know the drill. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're catching this episode. And this episode is going to be all about talent and recession-proofing your business with a really strong recruitment and talent strategy. And with us this week, I have Thad Price, who is the CEO at Austin-based Talru, the data-driven job and hiring event advertising platform that helps businesses reach the candidates they need to build their essential workforce. He provides leadership strategy and guidance to all departments. With more than 17 years of experience in online recruitment and the job search vertical, Thad is a recognized thought leader in the HR and talent acquisition space. He genuinely believes that there is no industry that plays a more integral role in the economy. Thad uses his cross-functional experience to turn client feedback into innovative products that help companies hire better. Under Thad's leadership, Talru continues its mission of disruption in the industry. And prior to joining Talru, he was the VP of Business Development at Job.com. So Thad, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Great to be here, Tracy. Thank you so much for the invite. Of course, of course. We're glad to have you. And, you know, talent and recruitment and just the strategies behind these topics remain not only a number one question, but a number one challenge for businesses alike, regardless of industry, regardless of of revenue and employee size. And so I think, you know, you're probably the best expert we can find to help us uh, walk through these challenges and and uh, to help us hopefully find some solutions. So with that, what are what are some things that companies can do to think about their strategies differently? And I obviously I know that there's so much background to recruitment strategies and things like that. And I'm sure we'll touch on that. But th- this is really the hot button question. Like, what can companies do? Well, I think the first thing companies can do is they can really take a look at, you know, what what their strategy is today. You know, if you think about you think about where you want to go tomorrow, you've got to you have to take a look at what's happening today. Be the job seeker. Look at the entire process. What we find from a lot of our conversations with customers is there's a lot of I've been doing it that way for a long time, right? I and and you know I think any 
anything over the last three years has taught us is that, you know, what we've been doing over the last probably three years isn't necessarily going to work in the future, especially in talent acquisition. So I think the first thing is to really take a look at what this, what your strategy is, understand what the definition of success is and what you're measuring. And as you think about what you're measuring, what the definition of success is and what your goals are, you can see how there could be additional ways for you to be more successful, you know, with your strategy. Um, a great example of this, you know, was talking to a, a number of business uh, leaders a number of weeks ago and, you know, they're just, why can't I find why can't I find people? I'm paying well. I'm, you know, I'm doing what needs to be done. I've invested in branding. And I just can't find these frontline workers that are need to be able to, to be able to um, succeed and grow. And that's what it's all about, right? We hire people to grow a business. We hire people to achieve our objectives. And that's why, of course, people are profits and is a people would be a profit center, not a cost center. Mm -hmm. um, it's all about hiring the right people. So what I found through that is, and I've seen this, you know, a lot over the last three or four years is I encourage businesses to really think about a battle card, right? And when you think of a battle card in, in product marketing, a battle card is, all right, who are my competitors? Who am I competing with? And how do I compete against them? And what value do I bring that's different than my competitors? And when you dig into this, what you've seen in the last three or four years is this really folk, important focus on flexibility, especially for frontline workers. And, you know, when you think about, you know, when you think about having your groceries delivered through Instacart, or you think about having your food delivered through DoorDash, or, you know, you moving from place to place using Uber um, or Lyft or some of the other services, one of the things you have to think about is you're competing against those companies for talent. And a lot of folks don't think about that. They don't think about the marketplace economy that's formed, the gig economy that's formed, especially for frontline workers. But that's one of the biggest challenges right now because of the flexibility that those opportunities afford, afford uh, folks. And if there's anything over the last three or four years that we've learned is Flexibility is so important. Family is so important. And so I think that, you know, businesses first have to take a look at, all right, again, going back to strategy, going what our goals are, how, what do we need to do? Take a step back. And the first step to do that is to say, all right, who am I competing against? And you know, what is the lay of the land? How am I going to compete? What can I do? Then from there, regardless of where you post jobs or how you advertise jobs or the money that you spend or your branding, if you're not providing what job seekers really are looking for or what they desire, you know, then you're still not going to be effective at top of funnel candidate attraction, right? It goes back to, you know, what value you're, you know, you're really bringing. And so the marketplaces have been really interesting to see providing that level of flexibility. And I don't think a lot of businesses, especially recruiting frontline workers, really think about, you know, those businesses as, as competitors. So what do you do? So the first thing you do when you're thinking about, you know, the marketplaces and gig economy, first thing you do is you provide the ability, businesses provide the ability to grow, right? And to learn. In these other businesses, it's very transactional, right? It's I've delivered groceries, I'm making money, I've delivered a person from place to place, I've, I've made money. And um, not everyone wants that, right? Some people want to be able to grow in a career. Many people do, most do. Yeah. Some people want to be able to focus on um, 
you know, that next step and ensuring that next step. So, you know, that's just one example of how, you know, there's this big movement that we're seeing, how you can think about battle cards and then what you can do to ensure, you know, in your talent acquisition strategy. So um, first step, have a lot of conversations, understanding what's going on, recognize that what worked five years ago isn't going to work today, and then start looking at the competitive landscape. It's really, first of all, all of the things that you've mentioned are really important and really interesting. And uh, by the time this episode comes out, it will be after uh, a previous episode that I had done with um, the CFO of my company that I work for, Legion Technologies. We also are on a mission to um, really improve the experience for frontline workers. And so while you are uh, focused on attracting that talent, we are focused on making their experience when they're at work amazing. And one of the things that we talked about um, in that episode is that flexibility is the number one thing. And that, you know, we see all of these companies these days talking about going back to the office and this, you know, uh, return to office. Okay, productivity is taking a hit, things like that. But, you know, as you were sharing, one of the things that I'm, that I was reflecting on is that the the majority of um, working Americans are working on an hourly basis and they were not afforded necessarily the opportunities to work from home the same way as maybe someone in an industry that is not necessarily hourly or not necessarily in this frontline worker space um, or position. And so it's really easy for us to say, you know, in our in our roles, oh, well, you know, flexibility for us is working remotely. But flexi flexibility for those who are on the front line could mean, you know, the opportunity to work for multiple businesses. It could be the opportunity to work the hours that they actually want, not necessarily always the hours that the business needs. And those things can work together symbiotically. Um, but it's, you know, I think it's an important distinction to make that not every single person defines flexibility in the same way. I think, I think you're right. I think you are absolutely correct in how you think about flexibility. And the big thing is work when I want to work, R work when it's right for me, which is different for everyone. You know, you think about, you know, obligations, um, personal obligations for a lot of individuals, uh, the caretaking um, side of it as well. You know, something that I personally don't think that you know, we as a society focus uh, enough on <laughs> ways to ways to think about right. that and how it's so important from a family perspective as well. Um, so I think you're right. I think flexibility is defined differently across the frontline worker and the knowledge worker. And, um, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting this, you know, last couple of years, we've learned a lot of what people are really focused on. And the reality is, if you're not paying a competitive rate, you're not providing flexibility in some, you know, way or shape, mm -hmm. then you're probably not going to be able to attract the candidates that you need to be able to hire and meet some of your objectives. So, um, you know, those are the two things time and time again, we hear from job seekers that are, um, you know, important to them. And I will say that the gaps closing in. So, you know, at one point it was, pay was very, very important and flexibility was important, but not as important. And now when you survey job seekers, it's actually, the gap is, is pretty close. 
So yes. in many cases, flexibility is, is, is as important as pay. Absolutely. And, you know, it's so funny because I don't think a lot of companies are willing to acknowledge that. This is, again, something that I had spoken on that episode that I was referencing before with Isabel Wang, the CFO of the company that I work for, that, you know, it's it's gone are the days where the financial, you know, uh, I guess, perspective or impact remains like that number one thing for people. We see this often with Gen Z, especially um, that, you know, they could be offered hundreds of thousands of dollars, but if they're not, if their work-life balance isn't being prioritized, or in this case, the flexibility for that they desire is not being prioritized, well, you know, you might end up losing that, that person that, that I, whether they're a candidate or um, an actual employee. And this, you know, definitely brings up the question of like recession proofing, because naturally, uh, even a couple of years ago, everyone was like, we're going to go into a recession, the, you know, the inflation and all this stuff. Right. Um, and yet here we are, by the time this episode comes out, it's 2024 and the recession is not really being predicted anymore. It's, you know, everything is just very inflated and like, maybe there's going to be a recession. I'm not an economist, but, uh, the, certainly the talk uh, around or the, the dialogue around recession or recessions, I should say, in the United States has slowed down. And now it's like, okay, well, is this our new normal where we're living in an expensive uh, state of life and cost of living everywhere with high inflation? Um, and yet at the same time, we're seeing that unemployment numbers are not actually super high. Some In some states, they're at record lows. So it definitely, you know, when, when there's a recession on the horizon, usually you see the unemployment numbers skyrocket. Um, and so again, not an economist here, but when we think about recession proofing, because even if a recession is not looming in 2024 or 2020, you know, while we're recording here at the end of 2023, there is still a way for businesses to think about their strategy so that they can be uh, recession proof so that they can make it through or wade through a difficult storm or a difficult moment in their experiences. So how can companies look at recession proofing their recruitment strategy exactly? Yeah. So the first is, um, you know, like anything in life, constant communication with your team members, right? If you're not having, you know, one-on-ones, if, you know, regularly, then you're missing out. And mm -hmm. A lot of folks, um, you know, I don't think we, as a society, we celebrate this amazing experience called communication enough, uh, but it's, it's really important. It can, it can change a lot. Uh, it can change a lot of, of look. So if you're thinking about, Hey, you know, we're in a recession and, you know, we need to ensure that there's, there's uh, care for our team and care for our employees. The biggest thing you can do is is have conversations and be uh, focused and engaged with them and let them know that you're thinking about them. Um, on the talent acquisition side and you know how you think about recession proof, the biggest thing that we saw that happened during COVID is there were you know mass layoffs, especially in the service industries as, as the economy was um, you know essentially shut down. Um, and what happened in that state was businesses because they closed and because they shut down, they paused all of their 
you know, talent attraction, uh, talent acquisition processes in many cases, you know, jobs were closed completely, you know, all of that just created a lot of issues. And then, you know, as the states opened and the economy started to rebound and consumers started, you know, shopping and buying and getting out again, businesses were like, I've got to hire these people. And in many cases it was too late because they didn't have a pipeline right. of candidates available to be able to react like they needed to based on the, the increase in, in consumer demand. And so, you know, what I think, uh, what I see a lot of companies do is they'll say, okay, we're going into a recession. We're going to cut recruitment marketing. We're going to decrease recruitment marketing and we're going to just, we're not going to try new things. Right. And it's just, we're going to keep steady state. And that's, that's, in my opinion, that's not the right strategy, right? The right strategy in that process is to really dig into the strategy as we were chatting earlier, understand all the metrics, use that time to understand all the metrics, and then use that time to test a little, right? Test to actually see what can work so that you have the right recipe coming out of this and still have a pipeline and still build pipelines. So, so kind of two two things I think are important, right? First is yeah. use this time to test, perfect your process, knowing, you know, that you may not, um, you may not need to recruit as much during this time period and you may not be as busy, let's say. And if so, use this time to then focus on some interesting tests or some technology initiatives that you've been looking for. And then the second piece of this is, um, you know, don't, you know, don't immediately react to, I've got to shut off, you know, mm -hmm. recruiting and, mm -hmm. and cut my recruitment budget. Um, I would have a conversation with your, with your leaders or your CFO and say, Hey, look, we've got to be prepared for when this thing turns around, which it will. And we don't want to be behind our competitors. We want to continue investing and we want to be able to ensure that we have a pipeline of candidates ready and willing that when we're ready to hire and we're really to make those decisions that they're available because it takes time. And if, if it's three to six months to kind of ramp back up to uh, a time, we could be, we could be behind. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, again, metrics dig into the process, the strategy, look at, look at areas, test. And then of course, you know, it's easy to just say, let's cut the budget. Let's not think about that. Let's think about how we can ensure that we have a steady pipeline of candidates. Yeah, it's such a good point. It's a very, I think I'm, I must have talked about this during COVID because the podcast has been around since 2020, but I worked in retail during COVID and always, I always worked in retail up until the point that I started working in tech. And, you know, when I think about the, the reality of like, let's say 2020, through 2022, like the height of COVID when business and the economy changed forever and everyone was kind of in this, you know, moment of uh, reconciling what they wanted, who they are, who they want to be, et cetera, et cetera. I think about how short-sighted it is slash it was for businesses to immediately cut, not only just cutting employees, but cutting um, functions and, and members of the function because during COVID, obviously people did experience furloughs and layoffs, but people also left the workforce because of caregiving, because of 
health concerns, whatever COVID brought up for them. And then in 2021, we still saw that people were leaving even when they had quote unquote secured jobs. Like they maybe they never were impacted by a furlough or a layoff during the height of COVID uh, in 2020. And they were still looking for other jobs. They were still going out, finding new positions, regardless of this fear that many people have around being the last person in and the first person out in the event of a, a layoff. And so that obviously also necessitates the the function for talent acquisition departments and needing to have recruitment processes because there was still turnover and actually there was higher turnover in many cases during COVID on top of losing, you know, or having to place people on furlough or having to go through layoffs. And then what I also really have thought about recently is that these layoffs happened um, across most industries and then a year, six months to a year later, now we're in 2021, 2022, these same companies are struggling to find talent. And so the decision in that moment was, oh, we have to conserve cost. We have to, we have to stretch our runway. But this was a three to six month vision because no one really knew how long COVID would last. But then aside from that, it's this, oh man, we're bleeding money because the economy has changed and we're not keeping up. And so we need to just take action now. We're not going to need these people in a year from now, probably. It's going, things, things are going to change. And then a year, a year after we find, or at least I saw, companies were then hiring for those same positions and then had to go through that whole process of recruiting top talent again, while every business was in that same position of needing to find top talent. So now the competition was even steeper. And then we saw this, of course, natural shift where employees were in the driver's seat saying, okay, well, not only are you going to pay me more, but also these are the demands that I have now after I've learned X, Y, and Z from COVID and I prioritize flexibility. So it's a really interesting um, kind of like circle, I guess, that that businesses have, have made. And I don't think that COVID is that different from other situations that we've seen in the world or the economy. Like even in 2008, the same thing happened when, you know, during the recession. So it's just, uh, I, I think you bring up a really good point around how you have to le- lean into these processes to make sure you're prepared for when you come out of this. And businesses, we've seen even now in 2023 that businesses have started to think about okay, well, how do I make sure that I'm not over hiring and then kind of going through this ebb and flow of needing to do a mass layoff and then hiring again and then mass layoff and hiring again? Like that's probably an example of an imperfect hiring process and strategy. I think you're right. And I can say, I don't think there's there's any board around the world that isn't processing how do we hire more effectively? You know, if, if there's anything, you know, that, you know, if there's anything that we can say, you know, from the pandemic, from the COVID is, is that everyone focuses on talent right now and has, and will continue. And I think if you think of the uh, conversations that maybe you had uh, with, with others four or five years ago, it's very different than the conversations you have now because there is executive sponsorship in hiring 
and being effective at hiring because we've now, I think, I don't think we're there yet, but I think we're closer than we've ever been mm -hmm. to looking at people and talent as a profit center and not a cost center. And for years, you know, HR talent acquisition has been seen as a cost center because it costs yeah. money to hire people and not a profit center. But the people that drive your revenue, the people that take care of your customers, that's, that's what it's all about. And the people that build great product and that's not a cost center, that's a profit center. And so I think that over the last three or four years, I think we're closer to moving in that direction because as I said, there isn't a board around the world that isn't processing, you know, the trials and tribulations of hiring the right people. Yeah. It's a great point. And I, I'm sure that all the listeners are going to love hearing you say that we are not a cost center when we're in the HR function uh, and HR, you know, whether it's HR or talent acquisition, because this is something that, you know, really for the last few years, we've, we, you're right, we have seen a shift. Um, and working in retail before COVID, you know, there, it was a lot harder to, and I don't even think it's exclusive to retail. It's really everywhere. It was a lot harder to prove the value of these, you know, people focused departments, which arguably every department should be people focused because naturally, if you are not retaining your talent, you're going to have an issue with your customers. You're going to have an issue with your productivity and things like that. But it really, there has been a noticeable shift. And I agree with you. I, I think we're in a much better place. We're not exactly where we need to be just yet. But when I think about how companies are retaining their talent, it's a different conversation today than it was in 2019, because there was this perception, I think, that people were replaceable because there are millions of people who need jobs. And now it's like, well, sure, people are technically replaceable. Every position can be filled by someone, but we invest so much in talent and our customers are relying on our talent. Let's make this work. Let's figure out a way to retain our talent and really find the right people to start with versus being in this position where we've hired fast and now we don't have the right person. And it's this whole huge issue that takes so much time and requires so many resources to be wasted. So it's a really, a really good point. And with that, I'd love to hear from you, like, are there new or creative ways to attract talent these days? I know Talru is doing some interesting things from the marketing side, but what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think that the big, the big thing is most talent acquisition teams need to think like a marketer. And when you think, when you have this idea of thinking like a marketer, it opens up a new frame of thought. And that frame of thought is, um, the other piece of this is recruiting is like sales. Yeah. <laughs> when you recruit, when you recruit someone, you're closing them to be a part of your company and helping your business to, you know, reach the objectives that, you know, your team is responsible for over the next over the next year. And by thinking like a marketer, you can really understand how you need to be focused on the metrics to drive that pipeline of candidates. And when you drive that pipeline of candidates, then your recruiting team needs to close those candidates and um, just like a sales team. And all of these, you know, this process is very, uh, is very similar to marketing and sales. And so when I think about what technologies are interesting is I look for technologies that can automate processes and, you know, it's, uh, 
it's very important that we're always connected with our candidates. It's very important that there's the human connection. Um, you know, it's very important to everything that we do, but there are ways in which we can automate processes in between. Right. And so what I like to think of is I like to think of what, what would I do? What do I do today as a recruiter or a talent acquisition leader and what technologies can I use to, to, orchestrate a better experience for the candidate and a very ex better experience for, um, for my team. And, you know, one of the things that we found is that, you know, the idea of posting a job is, is, a, is a little, is a little, uh, inefficient. And what I mean by that is, is we've for years, we've had like the all powerful job wreck, and then we have the job ad, and these can be very different things, right? Once focused on, you know, compliance and the other is focused on attraction and, and how do I connect to the candidate and how do I ensure that we um, are able to reach the right persona to be successful in the role so we can be successful at hiring and, and driving outcomes for the business. And when you think like a marketer, you're starting with that view of, all right, let's think of the persona we want to hire. Like, let's think of, you know, let's think of the experience. Let's think of the skills. Let's think of what's really important to us and not just the minimum, minimum qualifications, right? I think so much of what we do today is, you know, minimum qualification focused. And it's like, why do you want the minimum? Right. <laughs> you don't want the minimum, right? You want a great candidate. And so going at it from a marketing perspective and saying, all right, my audience, my persona, who do I need to attract, you know, still understanding what those minimum qualifications are, but going at it in, I'm going to get, I'm going to get the best candidates. I'm going to get the best candidates for this, for this wreck um, is a different way to think about it. You know, it's a different way to think about attracting the candidate. I had someone who was uh, interviewing a candidate. Um, this was probably about two or three months ago. And she, um, she said something that just, it was great. And I really love that she shared this in the interview. Um, she was working in high, high volume recruiting and she worked for, um, a theater, a theater system. And, you know, we were talking about a job posting and we were talking about a rec and, you know, we were talking about retaining employees and, you know, you know, what's important and how important that is for businesses and, you know, chatting a little bit about the job posting and the philosophy around it. And, you know, she said that something that was really interesting to me. She says, well, I believe that, you know, retention starts with the job ad. Hmm. And it was, it was very, it was very interesting. It's just a simple statement. Retention starts with the job. Ad. I said, talk to me a little bit more about that. And she says, well, when you're not transparent of what you can expect on the job, then you have an issue mm -hmm. and you're not going to be able to retain employees because you're not being forthcoming on what the true experience looks like for folks. And I was like, that's great. I said, give me an, ex give me a little example about how that was important to you and to your team. And she said, well, we, we worked in, uh, we had a number of, of theaters, movie theaters that we were actually, um, staffing for. And she says, you have to walk with a light and go up steps at 10 o'clock in the evenings to serve folks. So if the hours were not feasible for you, you didn't like going up steps and you didn't like, you know, didn't feel comfortable being, you know, having a flashlight and being in the dark, you probably weren't going to be a 
successful candidate for us. And so we, we needed to surface that in the job ad. <laughs> and again, that's like thinking like a marketer, like it traditionally you're like, well, it's, it's all wonderful, right? <laughs> because I want to get these candidates. So, but thinking like a marketer allows you to say, well, just because I bring in the right customer, is that right customer, the, you know, ideal for us, you know, ICP, ideal yeah. uh, customer. And, and that's the same thing with like a candidate, right? So, but the job ad is the first way that you attract a candidate. And so if you're not being transparent with what you can expect, then you're not, then you're going to have problems retaining your team. So anyway, I think this idea of think like a marketer, think of who you're looking to attract is going to be successful and then ensuring that you're tracking you know, each step of the process, the metrics and technologies that help you orchestrate that process more effectively, I think is the key. What we do is, you know, we like to think of it as we bring our marketing approach to job advertising, where it's just not posting a job, right? It's not the whole, we, for years we've heard about, you know, we post a job and we pray we get candidates. Our idea is it's about reaching the right audiences. It's about finding the right audiences. It's, it's metrics driven based on, you know, submitting applicants and then of course submitting you know, and driving hires. And um, it's not just about posting an ad on, you know, a big job site, right? It's about finding the audiences wherever they may be online and ensuring that you have the right mechanisms in place to automate the process so that when you're attracting audiences that you're using applicant tracking system signals to be more effective at ensuring that there's good usage of recruitment advertising budget. So that's, that's mm -hmm. what we do. But along this area, I think the whole idea is how do we be more effective? How can we be more effective at inserting automation every step of the process so that we can spend more time with candidates? Because that's what we love to do in human resources, right? We love right. to spend time with people. And if we can do that, we can be more effective and get back to get back to the basics, which is right. uh, so important. Right. What a wonderful anecdote. And I'm really inspired by that that just that one line that job retention starts with the job ad, because I even think about recruitment strategies that lack strategy, which is kind of what you just said, posting the job and praying that you get great candidates. And at the bare minimum, we know that talent acquisition teams have to go out and find talent more often than not, because you can't rely on just those who apply. However, if you are at least a little bit more creative, a little bit more strategic in how you're attracting people to the job posting. To her point, making sure that it's truly uh, a reflection of what to expect, but also based on what Talru does to really find the right audience, you know, that makes a lot of sense to me. And it really is true. I mean, the recruitment, or I should say retention really does start with recruitment if there there are so many examples that i can think of where there you know in my experience in hr where it's like you know that you've not where you've taken a shortcut in hiring and you know you're going to pay for it in 6 months you know you're going to pay for it in 3 months or a year and it's always you know when i look at like turnover metrics in any business that i've worked for it's always like those involuntary terminations that just kill me. Obviously the voluntary hurts just as much, but the involuntary, it's like, well, we did a really bad job 
during the recruitment process because we either didn't ask the right questions, we didn't look for the right talent, we didn't find the right talent, we hired too quickly, we didn't think about what our long-term strategy was. That's usually what it is more often than not. It's like, you know, we, we thought we needed X, but really we need Y. And it's just such a waste of resources. I mean, it costs tens of thousands of dollars just to hire and onboard one individual. So um, I think it's a really, really important point that you've just mentioned. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. It's uh, transparency is so important in so many ways. And, you know, communication, transparency, really the yeah. top two com key components. It's it's really, really true. I'm sure that we can all think about a time where we maybe interviewed for a job and even started at a job and the interview made the job seem totally different than it actually was. I think everyone at some point in their career has that experience. And you're so right. The transparency is key. And with that, Thad, I just want to say thank you again for joining the podcast and for sharing your insights and anecdotes um, and for what you and Talru are doing, because I think it does really all start with recruitment. And if we can get it right at step one, then we're gonna have a much easier time retaining talent and to your point, focusing on the things that we really like to do, which is to really um, spend time with our people, make them better, help teams grow, et cetera, et cetera. So with that, where can the listeners connect with you? Where can they learn more about Talru? And of course, I'll share all of these links in the show notes as well. Yeah, thanks so much. Again, terrific to be here. Thank you so much for the invite. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Amazing, amazing. So for the listeners, check out the show notes. You can connect with Thad uh, through the link that we share. And Thad, thank you again. Really appreciate it. I'm excited to see how uh, recruitment strategies continue to evolve and uh, how you support all of your customers. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks. Hey, just before you go, don't forget to subscribe to the show so that you are the first to hear when an episode drops each week. And maybe leave a five-star review and a comment about how much you loved this episode. Plus, if you have someone in mind who would really enjoy this episode, make sure you share it with them. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll see you next week.